Welcome on to the Backstretch. I am Heather Williams, anchor reporter for WCYB in Bristol, Tennessee and Virginia. Interesting week in NASCAR. I guess the big news, of course, is the denial of the appeal for the sixth team of Brad Kozlowski at Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing and RFK saying they will not further appeal that decision. Kozlowski telling the media at Martinsville on Friday that the part in question was a tail panel that they repaired because they didn't have any others on site and said they probably could have done a better job of repairing it. NASCAR has said that if RFK doesn't appeal further that they will release what it was or their side of the story on Monday. So we'll be interested to see since Kozlowski came up first if they actually do that or if they just let Kozlowski's statement stand. I think this is an important ruling in favor for NASCAR because they were very adamant when this next-gen car came out that they were going to punish you hard for altering parts. So if they had lost, they being NASCAR, this ruling on this appeal, it would have taken a lot of the teeth out of their ability to punish drivers for altering or changing parts. Now, I don't think there's anyone in their right mind that actually thought that NASCAR was going to lose this appeal or their side of the appeal, but it is interesting and it is important because of what happened. Follow those developments in the next coming days before it kind of has a nice pretty bow wrapped around it. This week we head to Martinsville, one of my favorite tracks to go cover races at. There are always feuds, there are always incidents and only one person ever leaves the track happy that's the winner everybody else hates everybody sometimes there's fights sometimes there's action on the pit road so it'll be interesting to see what happens Saturday night under the lights first night race at Martinsville that'll be fun one of the things that we'll talk about with Chris of course as always our guest this week is Ryan Blaney the current co-points leader which has been a, a good run for Ryan he's had three straight poles which is unusual for him. He hasn't had a win yet, but he's run really consistent. And when I talked to drivers at the start of the year, they really felt like consistency was going to be as important as people finish out this next gen as far as the points as wins. And it's proven that way. Both, both the guys in the lead in the points don't have wins. I think like the top three drivers actually don't have wins this season, but they've been the most consistent. And so they're leading the points. I think Ryan Blaney would actually lead the playoff standings as well, which is fascinating because wins are so important in the playoffs, but he's got enough stage points uh, to be able to be out front even though he doesn't have a win. And I, I feel like a win is coming for Blaney. Talladega is only a few weeks away, and he is outstanding at that track. So keep your eye on the 12 team. Well, let's get things rolling with Chris. I'm joined, as always, by our crew chief, Chris Carrier, who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 food country truck in the Camping World Truck Series. Chris, the old guys have entered the uh. chat. Denny Hamlin becomes the first driver over the age of 30 to win in 12 races, and he gets a much-needed trip to victory lane. Yeah. How big is this win for Hamlin and for Toyota? I, I, Heather, I think it's huge. You know, it's uh, been no secret that... Denny and his team have just had a really hard time getting out of the starting blocks this year. They've had this happen and that happen. To be honest with you, they've shot themselves in the foot a few times. They've managed to do that. They've uh, been kind of, uh, you know, it seems pretty clear that they've been kind of unhappy. And, you know, a lot of rumors, mumbling, murmuring, all that stuff, you know, well, he, he went to his 
basically his hometown favorite track and went out there and ran a Denny Hamlin type race uh, at a place where tire management, pit strategy, plain old getting the car balance perfect, you know, with mechanical grip on both ends, making adjustments. Uh, like we were talking about, you know, that to me, that's kind of a, that type of race is kind of a crew chief slash driver race. It's what you want. You want your strategy to win. You want your driver to go out there and, and make that happen. And, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin came across the winner. Kevin Harvick right on his bumper, another old guy. Um, Martin Truex Jr. led a lot of the race and was very strong. Looks like he might be the winner. So, you know, this is this was a type of race that I think experience and uh, just being able to use that throttle, the footwork, um, what the older guys had worked out. And it was a good day for them. Good day for Denny Hamlin. Yeah, he needed that win badly. Yeah. So yeah. this season has been fascinated from the perspective of the top three guys in the points haven't won a race this year. <laughs> How hard has it been for guys, even winning drivers, to get consistency this year in the next-gen car? Well, it's. I think it's been difficult for everybody because they're, they're just figuring out a whole new set of circumstances when they're in the car and when the crew chiefs and the teams and the race engineers are working on the car and making a plan of what to do trying to figure out okay how are we going to attack this weekend what kind of changes are we going to make what starting setup are we going with they're all you, you heard hamlin allude to it after the race he said we've been trying to find like a like a, a base point a starting point to compare this car to last year's car in in the past few years and he said this was a perfect place to do it now we've got something to compare to now we've got something to base it on you know from here going forward don't be surprised if Denny Hamlin now gets a, a, a fire lit under him, you know, when he, he comes to life because he hit that nail on the head. They've been trying to find how, how where, where's a starting point? You know, where's the batter's box at? And I think it's been difficult for everybody, you know, so far. Some have been lucky to hit it pretty good and they ran, ran very well a few races, but now you're starting to see everybody catch up. And I, I'll be honest with you, Heather, uh, the next couple races, and, and the, the, I think this is going to be really exciting. It's going to be good stuff to watch who can get their horse in front, you know, the quickest. And it's going to be interesting. Each week, teams struggle to continue continue to struggle. Hold on. Let me just do this over again. That was not English. <laughs> you don't have to pop Ryan back up. It's fine. Thanks, Ryan. Three, two. Thanks so much for your time this week, Ryan, and good luck this weekend at Martinsville. So, Chris, each week, teams continue to struggle to clear inspection, and it's mostly the smaller teams that are having trouble getting it done. So is this going to be where the big teams really separate themselves, the fact that they're not having team members suspended and kicked out of the race every week? You know, Heather, that, you're probably nail on the head right there. It probably, it probably is an issue to where the smaller teams are simply probably just having a tough time getting cars together, getting into the racetrack the way they're supposed to be. The rules on these things, the guidelines, the parameters, the, the margin of error is very small and very minute. Uh, this is a new type animal for everybody because there's basically almost nothing on that car that the teams make themselves or manufacture themselves. They get it from 
all different places, all the parts and pieces from one end to the other, top to bottom. So there, there's been some issues. Uh, that, that's not a secret about being able to get parts available to build these cars soon enough, and everybody's doing a lot of catch-up right now. Uh, I know that a lot of people worked a lot of hours. I do know that for a fact. So, yeah, I think probably it's it's a little bit. I, I think as everybody's hoping that as time goes on, these parts will be more available. The teams will be able to catch up sooner or later, catch their breath, and and you know just have have more actually more man hours in on each car before it gets loaded on that hauler. I mean, it's it's tough. It's not an easy task. All right. So this week NASCAR heads to Martinsville. I know you guys are going yes, this week in the truck. It's an old school short track. What old are the school. keys to getting around this uh, tight knit, <laughs> tight quarters? Oh, uh, well, first thing is take a lot of big guys with you. I guess <laughs> maybe is the best thing. But no, it's a. Uh, this again, it's more of a. It's take Richmond, shrink it down a little bit, make everything happen a little faster and in a tighter space. Uh, the 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 temperatures inside the helmet's going to go up even more. Uh, it's hard on the brakes. It's hard to keep the cars or trucks turning in the center of the corner all day long and still have forward drive in the rear tires coming off the corners. It's difficult. Everybody's uh, kind of on edge a little bit, but you know I, I'm I, I love it. It's 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 you know NASCAR was there. Uh, 60 years ago, I guess, and, and it is, you said it, old school racing. We had beating and banging at Richmond. We had beating and banging at Coda. We're going to have more beating and banging this week at Martinsville, all three races throughout the weekend, and then it's going to carry over to some dirt race they're going to have here <laughs> fairly soon, close by. So um, I think it's going to be great excitement. Don't, don't be surprised if you see some hurt feelings and some hot tempers after the races and uh, some drivers with uh, a little bit disgusted, a lot of bent sheet metal. Uh, but there again, I think these cars are gonna flourish. I think the, cu the cup cars, the, the new next-gen cars are gonna flourish there. I think you're gonna see some cool stuff. And um, maybe again, it might be another old guy's weekend. I don't know, we'll see. Joining us now is Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12 for Penske Racing. So first of all, Ryan, uh, off to a pretty good season. It's kind of funny to kind of figure out where everybody is because points leaders are changing and everything, but you've been really consistent. How would you judge the start to your season? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been hard to be consistent. Um, you know, other issues, um, you know, throughout the year, just uh, whether it's self-inflicted or not, um, you know, everyone's just been trying to get, you know, used to this car, not only the drivers, but, you know, the teams, the Crews, they're trying to get just get used to everything and kind of limit mistakes. And um, I think it's kind of getting to that point of the season where people are going to start figuring out and getting like consistent runs. And um, at least you hope so. At least I hope for our team. Uh, but it's been a pretty good start to the year. Um, you know, I feel like we've had fast cars. Um, I feel like we've been able to run inside, you know, the top 10 every single week. I think our speed has been right there. Um, some of our finishes don't really reflect that, but uh, it's, it's been nice to have speed in our cars, to have a few poles. Um, you just, you try to finish those races out, but, um, obviously would like to have a win already this year, but, uh, you know, I think we're pretty close and you keep running up front and knocking on the door. Uh, you hopefully you achieve that soon. Talk about those poles. I mean, before COVID, I never thought of you as a guy that was going to go out and win poles three straight throw, but here you are showing all the speed off the, off the track. Uh, what is it this year that's been able to get those poles? Yeah, well, that's been really fun. Um, 
you know, the last, yes, yeah, they've been three in a row, really, uh, last three guys who qualified. So that's, that's been really fun uh, on Saturdays. And I don't know, it's just, you know, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of speed in the car, obviously, um, you know, from Phoenix to Coda to Richmond, really, really fast, uh, you know, in qualifying. And um, it's been, they've been pretty good in the race too. So it's a big testament to everyone on the 12 group, you know, Jonathan Hassler uh, does a great job of, knowing what we need and, and does his research and tries to learn very quickly on, okay, how you, how you need to unload because it's so important to start up front in these races. I mean, it just, it kicks your day off good, get you a good pit stall. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been nice to, to have a fast car under me that, that, uh, we'll be able to have the speed to sit on poles and, uh, hopefully we can continue that. And then you hope it, you know, that carries over to, you know, late in the races, uh, on Sundays. So you mentioned you guys are close. You can see on the track, you guys are close to getting a win. When you look at these next couple of races coming up, Martinsville, Bristol Dirt, Talladega. I know Talladega is a really good track for you. Are there tracks in here that you're targeting that says, yes, we think we can go here and win? I know you think that every week, but is there one that sticks out on the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't wait to get to Martinsville this weekend. Um, that's been a great track for us in the past. Um, we've been really, really close to winning there. Um, the last three years, I thought, and um, just something has always kind of crept up and, and bit us and, and not been able to finish it out. But um, I love that place a lot. I grew up not too far from there. Um, uh, it's been a, a cool track for me, and, and I just like the history behind it. So uh, I can't wait to get there. I mean, I think that's a spot that we can go out and, and have a solid run and contend for a win. Um, we've been close there, so it, that's going to make it even more sweeter if we can finish it out and, uh, and finally get a Martinsville grandfather clock that'd be pretty cool um bristol dirt after that you're not one of those dirt guys you know you're not the kyle larson and christopher bells but joey logano won last year and he's not a dirt guy how much does their experience really matter at bristol i think it matters i think it helps um yeah it's funny everyone thinks i'm a dirt guy because my dad but i i never <laughs> any of it growing up um but yeah i mean joey ended up winning that race last year uh you know so he he did a really good job and, and got some practice on some dirt. I think he ran a dirt modified a little bit, kind of leading up to that race to get some experience. But um, I think it is important. You know, I think Larson and Bell, uh, Briscoe, you know, those guys come from that background. And, and I, I definitely think it helps. I mean, it's a completely different car than what those guys are used to, you know, running on dirt. But uh, it always helps, I think, because they, they get a feel for when the track is changing. That's a big part of it. When the track kind of dries out and starts to get slick, they're really good at kind of noticing that really quickly uh, and can kind of adjust for that. So that's one of the things I think that experience really benefits those guys. But it was a, it was a fun race last year, uh, that Bristol dirt race. And um, I think it'll be even better this year being at night, uh, be able to the track to be a little bit cooler. Hopefully it doesn't get as dusty. And uh, that should be a, a pretty fun race with this new car. We'll see how it goes. Much do you lean on your dad going to the dirt races? Because he is a dirt guy. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I asked him a little bit about it last year, and he's like, "I don't know. I don't know what these cars do. The cup cars are going to do on dirt. I have no idea." So he wasn't too much help, uh, but he he gave me some advice. Uh, you know what he could and kind of what he saw. He went to that race and saw practice and and kind of gave me his two cents about things. But yeah, I asked him. He's like, "I don't know. It's completely different from what I used to, and I don't know what to expect." So good luck. But uh, he helps when he came. That's funny. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, you're one of the guys in the garage area that goes out and does different things. You've got your podcast, you've done some Hollywood stuff, some acting. What make attracts you to wanting to do that kind of stuff outside of racing? Because we don't really think race 
drivers as as actors or or Hollywood guys, but you're out, you know, I watched the crew and you were in cars. What makes you want to do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't know. It's um that's you know, I was that's not really something I was too interested in, especially early on. Um I never really wanted to put myself out there like that and um was always, you know, kind of not wanting to speak too much and kind of on the shire side and kind of still am, but that stuff, it just was really neat opportunities to go out and do things that, you know, I enjoyed watching, right. And, and was curious about that world and, and got a couple really cool opportunities. Like you said, to, you know, on the crew to, you know, be a little voice in a cars movie to you know, do a couple other things, um, you know, out, out West. And um, it's just, is a, is a neat opportunities that I've been fortunate that people have asked me to do and uh, they're fun doing, I mean, it's fun doing something different, you know, and, and learning new things and just kind of going and, and being yourself and, or being someone else on screen. That's the coolest thing. You kind of just get to go be ever who, whoever you want to be. Sometimes, sometimes they're like, you need to be like this on screen to fit the character, but uh, that stuff's really fun. And, um, you know, you meet, I met some great people along the way. Uh, it's amazing to me how many, you know, when you see the behind the scenes of a movie or TV show of how many people it takes to actually just make one scene. I mean, people who are never on camera. Uh, so that's really cool for me to see. Um, but yeah, it's just something I really enjoy um, and been really lucky that uh, I've been given some cool opportunities. Last question, because I know we're running out of time. Um, I'm surprised at how much your podcast has taken off. It's become like a NASCAR cult classic. I mean, people are, are always talking about uh, last case of emotion. Are you surprised at how that's had taken off? Yeah, it's, uh, that was a, you know, really really fun you know idea we came up with oh heck four years ago now maybe even more um just really wanted something that we could talk about a lot of non-racing things um because there was so many racing shows out there we wanted a podcast uh myself kim coon and chuck bush of you know hey let's have people on whether they're nascar drivers other athletes musicians comedians and just talk about what they want to talk about and, you know, show your personality because a lot of times, you know, we don't, when we're in work environments, you know, your true personality might not come out because you're in work mode. Um, so let's give people a different look and different side of, uh, you know, these people, these athletes that they normally don't get to see on camera. Um, and I want them to have, wanted them to have fun too while doing it, you know? So, uh, it was a, it was a really, really good time. Um, there's another thing I met a lot of really cool people along the way and I got to interview some, I wouldn't even call it interviewing, just sat down and just talked with people. And, and what do you want to talk about today? And just random topics and discussions. And uh, it was really fun. And, and it did surprise me a little bit how much it took off and how many people really enjoyed it. Um, so that was a, that was a great time and uh, thankful to the people who, you know, watched or listened to that thing um, and were big supporters of it. A final thought now on Martinsville Under the Lights. I'll be interested to see how this turns out. I mean, the Martinsville races have ended under the lights, uh, especially the fall race, for quite some time now. But I'll be interested to see what pretty much the entire race, it gets dark here a little after 7.30, but pretty much the entire race under the lights at Martinsville will look like. I don't know if it will change the dynamics. I don't know if it will up the ante or the anticipation or the antiness of drivers as they're trying to weave their way through the field if it'll make people uh push people out of the way or any of that kind of stuff but 
Saturday night racing, I feel like you can never go wrong in NASCAR. I think it's the greatest event in NASCAR. When they race Saturday night, you can like, uh, like a lot of the things. Like, I think you can have too many road courses, too many short tracks. But I don't think you can ever have enough night racing. I feel like night racing feels like what this sport should be. So, I'm excited about Martinsville under the lights. I hope it turns out. I hope it's a good race. And I hope to see you next week here on The Backstreet.